Isn't it amazing that um, when people think about Christmas, they often think about themselves. I mean, we all do it. I mean, I'm not knocking it. We, we all do it, don't we? We think about what presents we want to buy for ourselves. Or we think about what gifts we want to give to others. Christmas really is quite a selfish time of year. Because often we think about ourselves. But not only that, you know, even Christians can think about themselves as well. And when you think about Christmas, we think, well, I need a saviour. I thank God that Jesus came to forgive me for my sins. And we often think about Christmas as for us, individually, for ourselves. That's our first line of thinking all the time. So whether you're a Christian, whether you're not a believer, whether you're in the church or outside of the church, everyone seems to think first and foremostly about themselves when it comes to Christmas. Well, the angels, when they appeared to the shepherds and they began to sing a song of praise, they weren't thinking about man first and foremostly. When they sang a song of praise, their thoughts was not about people or the men and women of the world. Their thoughts were somewhere else. Let's look at it together this morning. So my first um, heading is... um, Get this thing working properly. Okay, um, Phil, can you just... just, um, First heading today... The, um, got, a, got a first heading up there, Phil? A new system. Give me a minute, get the PowerPoint working. I can. It's okay, Phil. Take your time. Okay. I'll carry on preaching, Phil, as you get that, get that moving on. Okay, okay. So, the... Um, there it is. <laughs> Glory! <laughs> the first part of this message is thinking about glory. Here's the angel's words. Look what they say. in um, I think it's in Luke chapter 1. And they said... Okay, I'm going to read it. Luke chapter 1, and the angel said, glory, in, glory to God in the highest. That's what they said, glory to God in the highest. The first thing the angels did, before thinking about men, they thought about God. The first thing the angel did, before thinking about the world, The first thing they sang was this, glory to God. They were clear that God deserves all the glory. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 42, God said, I am the Lord. I will share my glory with no one else. 
I am the Lord. I will give my glory. I will yield up my glory to no one else. My glory is going to be for me and for me alone. And this coming of Jesus Christ into the world was to bring, first and foremostly, this coming into the world was to bring glory to God. And God remained silent, as some of you are fully aware. He made, remained silent for 400 years. In the Old Testament, God used um, um, prophets and he used men and he used angels. And then he stopped using men and prophets and angels. And he was silent, the Bible says, for 400 years. But then, our reading in Hebrews, let me get it. Four years working, lovely now. Thank you, Phil. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. In other words, God used in the Old Testament prophets. He used angels in the Old Testament. He used men of God in the Old Testament. Then he was silent for 400 years. And then when Jesus came onto the scene, God began again to speak. As if to say, these men were good. These angels were useful. But now, says God, I'm going to speak. And Jesus Christ came. Christmas is about God speaking. Have you ever thought about that? Christmas is about God saying something. God speaking. He used the angels in the Old Testament. He used um, the prophets and the priests in the Old Testament. He used images and, 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 and shadows in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, God says, I am going to speak. Christmas is about God speaking. So that men might see his glory. I like the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is a bit different to the other three Gospels. You don't get the birth um, in the chapter 1 or 2 in the Gospel of John. But you do get some really wonderful words in his first chapter. Look what he says in the first chapter of um, the Gospel of John. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. I want to tell you this morning. That Jesus Christ coming is not first and foremostly for you. Christmas is not about you getting gifts, you getting presents, you having a holiday, you having your sins forgiven, you having a, a, a way to get to heaven. It's not about you first and foremostly. What it is about is about the glory of God. That is what it's about. Christmas is about God's glory and Jesus became flesh. The word became flesh and tabernacled and lived and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, says John. People often say in our day and age, you know, I'll come to church. Give me the carols. I want the carols. Give me the candles. I like the candles. If you can throw in a few mince pies and a cup of tea, I'll come. Give me these things, but don't give me Jesus. 
Give me the words. Give me the feeling. Give me the lights. And give me the glamour and the glitz. But don't give me Jesus. But I want to say to you this morning, the glory of Christmas is the glory of God. That's what it's all about. God. And as the angel turned around and they were clear, before they said peace on earth and goodwill to men, before they got to that, they turned around and said glory in highest. Glory to God. That is what Christmas is about. It's about God's glory. But not only is it about God's glory, but it's also about God's holiness. Another thing that will bring glory to God is found when the angel spoke to Mary. You might remember the angel speaking to Mary. And um, Gabriel appeared and she spoke to Mary and he said these words. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. What powerful words. When I read that this week, I thought this is an incredible word. The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's a powerful description of what will happen to Mary. I don't think Mary fully understood what the angel was saying. I don't fully understand what the angel said. But when I look into the word, I see something else that gives me a little bit more of understanding. Because Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says this. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So you might say to me, hold on, there's a baby in the manger. Are you saying that God looks like a baby? Is God, is this baby in a manger, is it the exact representation Would it mean that God is like a baby? Not at all. What it actually means is that this child is the exact representation of God because this child is holy. This child in that manger, in that feeding trough, that child is holy. That's what the scriptures turn around and say, tell us what the angel said to Mary. Holiness is God's number one attribute. God is holy. If you look into the Old Testament, we see angels um, bowing down over in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah sees a vision, and here it is. The vision is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You go into Revelation, you look at the last book in the Bible, and the writer writes down, and he says, I see a sight in heaven, and what do I hear? The angels crying out. They're crying out one thing, and one thing only. Holy, holy, holy. I want to tell you this morning, God is holy. And this baby is the exact representation of God. This baby in the manger, this baby in this feeding trough, this baby in the back streets of Bethlehem is the exact 
representation of a holy God. Why? Because this baby is holy. That's why when um, the wise men came, the Bible says, on coming to the house, these wise men, they saw the child and his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped. That's what they did. They didn't stand around and say, oh, pass the baby around, let's all have a little cuddle. No, they left the baby in, the, in where it was and they bowed down. And why? Why did they bow down and worship? Well, they know something about the holiness of God. That's why. They knew something about Moses. When Moses came onto the burning bush and he saw the bush on fire and as he approached, he heard God speak to him and said to him, Moses, take off your shoes because the place you're standing holy ground and Moses had to worship and I want to tell you this morning when they walked into that place into that house where baby Jesus was the young child was these wise men had to worship why because this child was holy if you had a glimpse of Christmas real Christmas not this shadow this this, this tinsel this Christmas tree lights and these sparkly papers. So often these little dim lights blind our eyes to the real glory. These little shadows, these little sparkly things that we have around us blind us to the real glory that's in that manger. If you had a glimpse, just a glimpse of Christ today, you would want to worship him. If you could see what the shepherds saw, if you can see what the wise men saw, you will not just see a baby in a manger, but you see one who is the exact representation of God, reflecting his glory. Why? Because this baby was holy in Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph had the privilege of caring for this child. But sadly, too many people run around looking for other things. Thinking that Christmas is all about them. All about what they can buy for someone else. All about what they can give to others. And they say, that's a great thing. It's all about what I can give and and what I can receive. But I want to tell you, first and foremostly, Christmas is not about that. First and foremostly, Christmas is about the glory of God. Let's get that right. And I preach to you, I'm preaching to myself. I need to remind myself. The world will drive you crazy. The advertisement industry will drive you crazy. You want, you want things you never thought you even wanted six months ago. But now it's Christmas, you want it so badly. The advertisement will drive you crazy. But I want to remind you and remind myself, it's not about what you can give. It's not about what you can receive. Even though that's wonderful for Christmas, it's about the glory of God. I want to remind this church about that this morning as I remind myself. But let me go on to my third and final point as I close. Salvation. You see, the angels got it right when they said glory to God. Because there was a man in the temple. This man in the temple was called Simeon. Let me give you a description of him. I won't tell you. The Bible will give you a lovely description of Simeon. Here he is. 
Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the constellation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. Here he is, an old man, waiting for the Christ to appear. What does he say? When Mary and Joseph comes into the temple, he sees them, takes hold of the baby, and he says this. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Your salvation. What? What do you mean? My eyes have seen your salvation. I thought salvation was for us. I thought I needed saving. I thought I needed forgiveness. I thought I needed my sins forgiven. I thought I needed a clean slate. What does he mean? My eyes have seen your salvation. You see, salvation does not start with you. No. Salvation is God's plan. Salvation is God's idea. You see, God looked down and he see your wicked heart. He's seen your rebellious ways. He's seen that you do not want him. You do not desire him. You do not seek after him. The Bible says no one is righteous. No, not one. All have turned away. They have together become corrupt. No one does good. No, not even one. And God looks at his creation and sees a men and women rebelling time and time again. And God has a plan. And God turns around and he says... I will bring my salvation, my plan, into operation. Simeon was right. It is God's salvation because the plan was executed. The plan had its beginnings. The plan had its formation in the mind and in the heart of God. That's why Simeon was right when he says to God, Now dismiss your servant in peace, Lord, because my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the sight of all men. You know, some of you parents are getting quite excited about Christmas. You're probably more excited than your children. Because you bought your children something really nice. And you know that they, they want whatever it is. I mean, when my children were small, you know, they, we can get away with plastic toys, you know, action men and stuff. Nowadays, you know, you've got to spend a good hundred pounds to get yourself out of the toy shop. But, um, you know, you know you bought something really nice. You can't wait. Or maybe you're a husband and you bought something wonderful for your wife and you just can't wait for her to open it up. You better bought something for your wife. <laughs> or maybe you're a wife and you knew that you know that your husband wants a certain thing and you've gone out and you purchased it, you wrapped it up and you put it on the fridge and you're just waiting for him to come and, oh, and you are just waiting. You're so excited because when they open up their gift, you know they're going to be overjoyed. 
You know that you have struck the, you know, the, the, hit the bullseye. You have done something really wonderful. And they are going to be overjoyed once they open up their gifts. I love, I should love Christmas morning seeing my children jumping around the house. And then at night time getting into their favorite new band, brand new pajamas. So excited. This salvation God has prepared. This salvation has been designed to make you just as excited. This salvation that God has prepared has been designed so that you will be overwhelmed. That you might say, what? I can't believe it. God has blessed me. Even though I am a sinful man, even though I'm wretched and poor and blind and naked, even though I rebel against him time and time again, even though I shake my fist at God so often in my life, yet God has given me so much grace and mercy and love. I am overwhelmed by his goodness. That's the salvation God prepared. He's given that to you as a child gets excited when he opens up his present. God says, I have given you something that will overwhelm you. And that is the forgiveness, the grace, the mercy, the kindness, the patience, the tolerance, the love of God that will be abhorred. And it's only those who receive that that will turn around and say, wow, for me, I may not be a criminal, but I'm still a sinner. I may not be in prison, but I'm still rebel against God. I might be a decent citizen in my society, a decent mother and a wife, a decent husband and a, and a father, but I'm still a rebellious, sinful man. And God has given me so much mercy. I'm overwhelmed. I know I was overwhelmed. When God saved me, I know I thought overwhelmed. I realized that I didn't deserve his grace. But it's only when the Holy Spirit calls you to see and begins to unlock the secret areas of your life. You know, the skeletons that you have hidden away in your cupboard. You know, the secret things that you've done that you know no one else knows, but you know. The thing that brings shame the things that bring guilt, the things that you wish that you hadn't have done, the things that you wish you can sweep under the carpet and it will be forgotten, these things, the light of the gospel of God shines on it. And when it shines, you hold your head in shame. And God says, I have prepared my salvation. Open it up. And once you open it up, you will be blown away. You will be overwhelmed at the grace and the love and the mercy of God. That's what Christmas is about. It doesn't start with you, even though it ends with you. It's not all about giving and receiving, even though giving and receiving is a lovely thing that we can do amongst our family and friends. That's tremendous. I'm not knocking that at all. But I want to tell you very clearly, Christmas begins 
with God and the angels were right. Before they said peace on earth and goodwill to men, before they got there, they stopped themselves and they said glory to God. My dear friends, are you saying glory to God this morning? When the angels saw the baby in the manger, they left. And the Bible says that when they left, they went home. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. They went home, changed. It was on a hill, just watching the sheep, nothing exciting going on. They were outcast, they were rejected, they were simple men out on the field. But when they heard the message, when they saw the glory of God, they went back. The Bible says, returning to their sheep, returning to the hills, glorifying God. My dear friends, God requires you to change. How can I glorify God, you say? Sing an extra carol? How can I glorify God? Give an extra Five pounds to charity? How can I glorify God? I don't know how to glorify God. I'll tell you how to glorify God. You can glorify God in one way. And that is asking the Lord Jesus Christ to be Lord and King of your life. If you're a Christian already, that should still be your prayer. If you've been walking with the Lord for 10 or 20 years, that should still be your prayer. Lord, be king and Lord of my life. Come in and reign fully in my life. That is glorifying God. And if you're not a believer, you're only just around the edges, just tipping your toe in, I want to tell you today is a day where you can glorify God. How? Jesus, come in. Just don't be a word on my lips, but be a person in my life. Transform me, change me, cleanse me from sin. May this Christmas be something different in my life that I might turn around and give glory to God. Let's pray.